my notes say there's a Santana cameo, but like it's not a cameo. It's just a it's reference. It's totally to the, a cameo. The actual wind. That's what pillar men are in this world. It's they're just, a weird just, wind pattern. It's the four winds. The four it's winds. Santana. The gritty reboot. ACDC. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Okay, but remember when. Um, you know, that when, cold car's wind starts blowing. Remember when cars <laughs> was holding, it was Whamu's ashes and they like blew away in the wind? Yeah. It's all connecting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. That was the wham, the wham wind. <laughs> That's Whamu's power, right? Is, is, wind. is wind. Yeah. So clearly. I agree. Maybe, it is. It's the four winds. Maybe that's why the fucking headwind actually works in this universe. <laughs> because it's a pillar wind. Which one of them is the headwind? We know the headwind's the Santana in this okay. one because Gyro says it's the it's the Santana winds that are. <laughs> so uh, clear, clearly this is a universe where winds work differently. But also like that makes sense because Santana, if Santana is the headwind and in the other universe Santana is beer, which has head to it. Oh, nice. Gyro is extremely relatable in this issue, in, in one of these issues where he says, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> It's just like Mista being like, I don't know what happened, but okay. Welcome to JoJo's Bizarre Explainer, a podcast about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm Darius Kazemi. I'm Elizabeth Simmons. And I'm Courtney Stanton. And today we're here to talk to you about science. Finally. Toe science. Also sailing science. Yeah. How... uh, Extremely correct science. How winds work. How to run without ever stopping. How to not touch your heels on the ground. If you don't touch your heels on the ground, you do never have to stop. That's true. We're talking about chapters 9 through 11 of Steel Ball Run, starting with Long, Long Downhill. Yes. And then also the little blip at the end about Stephen Steele's tragic backstory. I, I see no tragedy there. It's fine. Sorry, his cursed backstory. Yeah. Is that yeah. better? <laughs> I, I will accept cursed as a uh, yeah. also deeply sus. Very, very <laughs> sus. Steven Steele, sus. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the last leg of the first stage, of the short sprint stage that the, the race begins with. So we open up on the titular long, long downhill, and, and much hay is made of the fact that you can't, you really shouldn't speed up going downhill on a horse because it'll fuck the horse. Well, and so this is where I was really proud of Iraqi because I was like, oh, good, you really set it up and like laid it on very thick. Like it's like definitely definitely do not race ahead. And then it's like all of the main characters race ahead. I mean, it's the equivalent of like in a horror movie, like don't go in the basement. Yeah. Don't go in the... Of course they go in the basement. You need to know the rules to break them. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of rules, we meet our first official wholly revealed stand. Yeah. It does, it's not called so anything. It's not called anything yet. But if you if you're familiar with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and if you're not, I don't know why you're listening to this. But uh, welcome, <laughs> because, uh, because it's great. Just kidding. We love our listeners who have never seen JoJo's or heard but of I JoJo's. Mean, <laughs> but I'm just like, if if you're starting with our podcast with this episode, I'm not I'm not <laughs> sure episode why three, season six. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> But so so it's not called a stand. It doesn't it doesn't have a name or anything yet. But this is a, a stand, and it's fascinating to me to see Iraqi retell and like reintroduce the the lore of stands and just completely improve on it right. in every way. So it's like we saw one panel of one character 
sort of develop, you know, Sandman kind of saw something with his hand, like where something was coming out of his hand way back in like right. issue and, one. And then, and, then it, yeah. and then the hand appeared a second time to flick sand in someone's eye. Right. And then Poco Loco kind of had something. He's like, had like a, voices around. Yeah. And he talked to a creepy old lady who looks like someone from part three. So. Right. You know, it's like different characters are experiencing different things in like a slowly introduced way. It's not fucking Joseph Joestar <laughs> rolling up to jail to be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you've got like a weird haunted spirit that it, we call it a stand because it stands next to you. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're going God. to Egypt. <laughs> Like what? It's just like what? You know? Like it's so much less rushed, and it's really, it's really nice. This is really interesting to me because, like, it has like the two elements to it. So it has like the good slow burn storytelling, but then it also has this other layer because most people reading this are probably like JoJo's veterans. Yeah. So most people have the kind of dramatic irony of knowing what's coming but still get to like experience the foreshadowing as well and being like, oh, how's he going to like get there? Like how right. are they going to learn? Like how are stands involved in this? As opposed to just, yeah, like you were saying, Joseph Joseph just being like, all right, let me tell you, this is a stand. Well, and it also like even rereading this for the third, fourth time now, I still find Poco Loco stand to be somewhat uncanny. And like, I agree. Because especially now, like having read more of Araki's sort of, oeuvre ghost stories yeah i just i keep waiting for the thing to go like for it to go bad and poco loco to die you want it to be a monkey's paw situation yeah like because that's what it feels like where he's like oh yeah jump off the hill and i'm like i think that's not gonna work out for you my man also because the design on poco loco's stand looks like it looks like a little evil doll deeply cursed evil doll yeah it's a little bit scary it's like i feel like it's it's a very like part eight design but i don't know i guess Araki has lots of kind of weird, semi-robotic. I mean, it also looks a little bit like Cheap Trick from Part Four, which is the little guy who gets on your back and is basically just like, "What was his whole deal? You can't like, you can't. No one can see your back. Yeah, yeah. If anyone sees your back, it kills you. It kills you. Yeah. Like, what is the point of this power? (laughs) The worst power. The thing that makes it similar for me is a the visual design of the stand and b the fact that it like loves to sit on his shoulder and whisper creepy things to him but what it whispers is i'm gonna take care of you and i got you no matter what it's actually like very affirming it's just there's something about it that's kind of a little off off, well you just expect that there's a catch Yes. Right. Yeah. We're still in the early issues where this was getting published weekly and it was not being published as JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So in theory, this was to bring in that wide audience of people who were <laughs> like, this looks exactly like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but I wasn't reading that, but I want to read this. So I'm curious about like what someone who who had never picked up an Iraqi story would have made of this if they were like oh it seems fine and safe and this is interesting i like this horse race i mean i know we have some listeners who are in that category so maybe you could answer for us yeah listeners who have never like read a jojo's before are you scared of poco loco's little friend i mean he (laughs) seems to be kind of leaning into the body horror elements of stands which you can see him starting to do in part five i think right or yeah because you have like people taking their body parts off and whatnot. Yeah. So there is this idea of you're like, there's something in you. So Poco Loco's got this little friend guy. Now his little friend is like, 
just fucking go for it, man. It's going to be fine. Just jump. It's going to be fine. And so he's like, all right. And so it's like, it's like Jiminy Cricket. Very, for, you know. very weird Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. But if Jiminy uh, Cricket were actually talking to you, that he would be very weird, too. I guess yeah. that's true. But because Poco Loco really goes for it, a bunch of other people go for it. And a lot of it doesn't go well for a lot of them. So there's a lot of horse carnage. <laughs> and so Gyro follows because Gyro follows. Johnny follows. Basically, what I'm leading to is Poco Loco surfing a, a dead cow. Yeah. His, his little friend is like, remember the cow. Remember the cow, and they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" But it's like, how like, would he oh, even know oh, about? Yeah, he's no, he's surfing, he's surfing the dead, dead cow. That's what you do when someone says, "Remember, remember the cow." But like, remember like, the cow doesn't even make sense because, no, like, doesn't. what is he talking about? Like, he doesn't know. So it's like he, like, his stand knows what's coming. Like, has a little bit of future prediction. It's basically like serendipity on a level that is just like beyond. But he also like specifically says like coming up, there's going to be blah, 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 blah. So like I think he has a little bit of – he can tell like, a, like very slight future. Yeah. Kind of like Dapio's power in part yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think it's really funny that Gyro is like – you have to write, like, this is a race where you have to ride horses. And I'm like, dude, there was an automobile and a camel at the beginning. And there, you got a dude who's, well, and then Sandman shows up. And so it's like, also, there's the guy who's running on his feeties. <laughs> yeah. So, no, it's not a race where you have to ride horses. Oh, we, we do learn that Poco Loco is from Georgia, which uh, for me is a nice little shout out to our other African-American character from the previous parts, Smokey Brown, who, who also from Georgia. also from Georgia. Iraqi only knows one American state, really, where black people generally like <laughs> generally live known to hang out. <laughs> we get confirmation that Gyro can't hear out of his ass. He also <laughs> confirms later that he can't win if he's looking at someone's ass. <laughs> so we have two Gyro ass facts. Gyro is an ass man. We finally get a good Iraqi science diagram explaining how humans run, or at least how Sandman runs, which is probably different than how people run. This was one of those situations where I can just get really carried away by the amount of information there is. These diagrams are very like, they just seem like they would be true. So then I start to think like, well, could I, if I did that, would I actually be, and I'm like, shut up, Elizabeth, like, what's wrong with you? Like, why would you think that? It's obviously not. If you just <laughs> press more with your toes and just rebound with your heel, somehow. Right, all I have to do is launch myself like 40 feet into the air with each step and then I will not be tired. This is Steven Steele being crazy Uncle Steve who like corners you at a party and is like, I had an idea for a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> and here's how it works. And you're going to make a million dollars if you build this thing. Does everyone have that uncle? <laughs> I had that uncle. I think when you're a, a, a nerdy little kid who's clearly going to be some kind of engineer when they grow up, you get pitches from your crazy uncle Steve. I've also had the one family member who every time when I was doing comics, who would like every time we oh, met oh, yeah. at anything would just be like, so... You should write to Roz Chast and show her your comics. You know, like the New Yorker uh, mm -hmm. artist. Yeah, and I, I just be I, like, yeah. I am not going to do that. So finally, like after years, I was just like, I did. <laughs> 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 I did it. She was like, Oh, really? Has she responded? I was like, No. <laughs> she never got back to me. <laughs> like, Seriously, this this description of Sandman's running style is literally a fucking perpetual motion machine. It's yes. like not. It's nonsense. Yeah. 
Don't try to run like that. I also think this is probably like some like stolen slides from the like Vibram five finger barefoot running slide deck that like VC keeps, startup people use. Uh-huh. Keeps your uh, keeps your heels baby smooth. Yeah, no, as soft and smooth as an infant child. Steven steals like the random things he decides to perv out about. Like Steven like, Steele just you just you gotta you gotta reach over to that uh, that pedophilia meter and you just dial it right back like three or four clicks for me, man. Just like just walk it back a little bit for me. <laughs> Uh, I think everyone on the observation car with Steven Steele is a Pirate Club member. I mean, he's clearly funded by the Pirate Club. That's true. We'll get to that yeah. when we talk about his uh, his little side story, his backstory, right? So, and that's yeah. good to know because this gives us insight into what the Pirate Club's situation is in this timeline as yeah. opposed to the other one. It's a media empire. Yeah. It's like vaguely sports related. No, they're inventing sports. Yeah. Media (laughs) empire in America in the 1890s is like scam media. (laughs) Right. It's like it's it's like somewhere between like P.T. Barnum and like, I don't know. Whatever, like... Like fucking TMZ. Yeah, whatever the disreputable (laughs) version of Jacques Cousteau is, or like Richard (laughs) Attenborough, you know, like making up shit about adventuring places and then publishing it. So basically, uh, like every race scientist. Yeah. Race science, I think, would be a good, you know, like, oh, no, this is what these tribal people are like. How do you know? We, we know. Went, we, we we just know. Yeah, we went there. We didn't. No, they don't. If you ask them, they say we didn't go there. It's oh, just well known that the tribal people are like this. That's literally documented. what those fucking guys did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Diego Brando is back, and he's hot. So beautiful. His horse has a has a. Uh, it looks like a Joe Star star on yeah. its forehead. It probably is half Joe Star. He probably like chimera so, a horse with a Joe Star. Yeah, and that's his horse. <laughs> that was Joseph Joe Star horse, yeah. and he put that horse Jonathan, head. Jonathan, on, John, yeah. Well, Johnny. It. I wonder if Johnny has the birthmark. I think he, he does. does. He does. Yeah. If anyone's going to beat Gyro, it's going to be me, Johnny Joe Star. In case you were wondering if this was an antagonist to lovers story arc, it is. It is. Yeah, so Diego doesn't recognize Johnny because I was like, but Johnny won the fucking Kentucky Derby at 16. But he's been but he totally off the have, map. Yeah, he doesn't have yeah. any little... Well, and there's no, like, TV or anything. Like, it's not like he watched him win it or yeah. something. Like, he, and he, doesn't, he probably not, knows his name. And he doesn't have, like, a saddle sign or anything Yeah, Johnny like just joined the race. Johnny also, like, has been out of commission for years. Yeah. So and just, like, just, completely disappeared off the map. him to be riding yeah. a horse? Yeah. So Gyro wins the checkpoint by using his balls to to make his cape billow out, and he's, like, create to catch the Santana wind. And in, in theory, because it's a headwind, headwinds are winds that you ride into, and so he's he's using the balls to, like, hold the ends of his cape to make a little sail. Which is very cute, however. It's very <laughs> cute. And it's very cool. And there's a little ship. The ship is drawn with its sails billowing out. Makes no fucking sense because the head of the ship is the opposite direction that the sails are billowing out from. Um, it all looks really nice. It just looks real weird. The ship would be going in the opposite direction it's pointing. I mean, you can sail into a headwind, but you do it by tacking. So it's like you go diagonally. So you go like far to the right. Like if the if the direction you want to go is the direction the wind is coming from, so you'd be like pointing directly into it, you would go to the right. It's, you zigzag. So you go left, right, left, right. And that's how you do it. So it's like, in theory, he could be doing that. I almost wonder if his if he's using his 
balls to like magically spin the wind in a different direction than it's actually going. Like some so like ma- like make little cyclones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe he's tacking aggressively into the headwind. I don't know, but there's I don't know. Araki really hand waves a lot. I'm willing to hand wave even further, but generally, you, what you would want is a tailwind. I honestly. think that we should forgive him for just this one thing because, sure. as opposed to all the other things we so rigorously. <laughs> well, no, the the running science is so rigorous yeah yeah and well sourced yeah that's that true i feel like that checks out he he gets he he gets a pass yeah, so like, yeah. yeah exactly yeah, no. also to be fair i do think that like if he is like tacking that could be a weird way to do it to like somehow but like again that mostly only works on i don't know how that would work on a horse but then again <laughs> i'm not gyro Zapelli. like on water sure I don't know how that helps your horse at all. I think, but yeah, it's a little weird. Mostly, I think it would just tire the horse out. But what do I know? <laughs> um, uh, I love the part where Gyro turns around just before he zooms up ahead, and he just goes, "Johnny, I'm amazed. You did a great job." And Johnny's face is like, <gasps> "Senpai noticed me." Yeah. Okay, so Steven Steele's backstory: the details behind the opening of the Steel Ball Run race. So, Elis, you were saying that this is like an homage. Oh, it, it just feels there are elements of it. And if anybody who's listening to this has read um, the Jaime Hernandez storylines of Love and Rockets, it's very like there are some elements to this that are just like straight. Fr- it's just so Love and Rockets to me, like like exploring to find dinosaurs and just like all this other shit. It's extremely like Iraqi read a bunch of Love and Rockets and then was like, I want to do a little homage to this. But it makes no sense in the context of my actual work. Of so JoJo's Bizarre just gonna, Adventure. Yeah, so I'm just going to throw it into this one guy's life and, like, make him have had a very – just this this very specific type of comic where, like, there are dinosaurs, but it's also, you know, modernish times and all these other – Aspect. I don't know. It just. It just. I looked at it. I was like, yeah, that's. Yeah, it's really hard to fit dinosaurs into JoJo's. So. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'll never yeah. do it again. Yeah, I think that he manages to successfully give me the sense that Steven Steele's the kind of guy who's just like a really good scammer, almost like accidentally. Like he doesn't mean to, but like when he gets in a certain kind of mood, he can just like talk anybody into giving him anything. He feels like a millennial to me. <laughs> He like like I like he's in the gig economy. Like yeah, you think you want to do something, but then like mm, it doesn't really work out. So now you have to do like some other weird thing, but then like that doesn't totally work out, and then you're just like I don't know what's this other thing, and like something happens, but you never really figure out what you're doing, and then no one's heard from you in 15 years. It's that's I feel like I'm, I feel like that's my career path. Like I'm gonna write a book. <laughs> yeah, but then I'm just gonna like fundraise. And then, like, start a line of, you know, of, of kitchen gadgets or something. And I'm going to do this. I do. I also do really like the idea that, like, he has the kind of reputation where if, like, someone shaved a monkey. Yeah, someone somewhere shaves a monkey for a scam and everyone's like, it must have been <laughs> Steven Steele. And he's like, I swear to God, I did not. I aspire to that kind of notoriety where, like, I am just sitting in my house minding my own business and I get a bunch of notifications on my phone that are like elizabeth simmons has shaved a monkey and tried to pass it off as an alien (laughs) fuck her and i would be like wow canceled (laughs) i must have done something right (laughs) i I do want to point out this little backstory 
a Rocky apparently likes to have young lovers where one of them is the daughter of a florist. That's just uh, that's straight from Sleeping Slaves in part five. Um, yeah. To me, that's like he watches or reads a lot of romances because florist is such oh, like a romance yeah. novel job. Oh, it is. It is like it's funny. Like some there's a I cannot for the life of me remember her name, but there's a researcher who like one of the things that she does is compiles data on fan fiction. And so she will like annually like gather like most popular jobs in like uh alternate right. universe fan fictions, which, which is how like, you know, after barista, obviously, but like florist is like always number two or number right. three <laughs> uh, in, in fictional yeah. jobs. And it's just, it's, it's always really interesting data to see. And like, she, she does write us on trends and stuff like that. It's, it's always nice to sort of see like what our, our common id is expressing, but it's, I was always like florist, huh? Like why? But yeah, it's just, you know, there it is. But all of this stuff in the backstory must happen on Ogre Street, I think. Oh, absolutely. I think he is drunk on Ogre Street, but Ogre Street is like where all the media companies are in Manhattan or something. <laughs> in this timeline, Ogre Street is definitely in America. Yeah, and I also think, like, clearly that, like, young girl or whatever works for the pirate club she must because he's able to locate her based on literally no information <laughs> yeah he's like i'm looking for a girl she's blonde and young <laughs> and she was talking to me three nights ago and it's like oh yeah wait no wasn't no, it like two years ago years oh, right. ago right yeah no so because she's, she's grown up from fucking what 11 to 13 or something yeah yes <laughs> Wait, so she grew up from, yeah, what, like 12 to 14? Yeah, and then he's like, yeah, like with a Tex Avery, you know, uh, a yeah. wolf howl, and is like, I'm going to talk to your dad and grovel and beg him to let me marry you. And it, her dad was like, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, we have, uh, we do get more backstory later. I mean, that's, but I mean, I assume so it, it's a cliffhanger. Said, yeah, but I assume they worked something out because she's here on the train. Like True, on... unless he kidnapped her. <laughs> that's fair, that's, yeah. That's fair, yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, Stephen she's Steele. 14. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Stephen Steele, our non-problematic capitalist scammer man. Deeply sus. So many so many <laughs> of these characters. Yeah, no, he's fine. I, I like him, but also, <laughs> you know. I, mean, I don't know that i like him but i think he's a funny character i think he is suitable for his role yeah exactly like i yeah i mean there are gonna be characters later where i'm like oh he's a piece of shit and i would die for him you know like he's like <laughs> yeah. one of my faves like you know like top tier top like make your list of like top five favorite jojo's characters i'm like oh absolutely he's going on there and he's terrible and i know that but like steven Steele's not one of them you know steven Steele, i'm like oh yeah yeah he's no. right he's funny he's you know, gross. I, I enjoy laughing at him. Like yes. he's yeah. he's he's sleazy. I think he does a good job of being like we we see a lot more of him, and I think that Araki does a good job making him sleazy without making me hate him so much that I can't like sometimes sympathize with him. But I never think that he's like a good good person. You know, yeah, it's he's like, like he's. It's, I mean, he's king of the scammers. You know, yeah. So yeah, he's like right solidly in the middle. So. And I, I also think, think that's he's very where he belongs. accurately represented as one of those people who thinks he is a good person. Right. As yes. those kinds of guys often do. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we get Steve. I also appreciate that Rocky was like, I'm not going to try and like 
make this be one of those like three people have a conversation where each of them deliver weird nuggets of information that they would all already know. You know, it's just like you, the reader, are going to get this delivered to you directly from a narrator. It's a rocky science, but it's history. Yeah. Yeah. Character backstory. I do like how it's just like a straight up timeline. Araki was like, I'm not going to tell this story. Like you are going to just see it. And, and, but the, but the career choices and stuff of Steven Steele are so over the top and bizarre that it does tell a whole story. Like just by looking at it, you can be like, Oh, I see. Like that's the kind of long term scammer dilettante we're dealing with here. Got it. His party trick of like swallowing a goldfish and it comes out his nose and then Rocky <laughs> drew it. I was yeah. just like, incredible. And he has to dress up as an Asian to yeah. do it in like right. sideshows. I mean, generic, weird, vague American definition of what an Asian is. He looks like a Fu Manchu type. Yeah, character. I know. It's, I mean, again, he so looks much. like what's his face. Um, He looks like. Like Wang Chong. Yeah. Again, it's like, it's Rocky's like American racism, like. Like, yeah. right, people, in order to do certain things in sideshows, like, yeah, he had to be, like, quote, unquote, like, exotic. Oh, yeah. So, so he was, and like, yeah, you're right, Iraqi. I'm uncomfortable, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, but yeah, I, uh, I, I appreciate, again, it's one of those things where it's like, there's a lot of characters in Steel Ball Run, and we learn about all of them, pretty much. Yep. So, next week... We will be talking about issues 12, 13, and 14. Yes. Yeah. And apologies if there are weird technical blips on this episode. We were having like Uh, 20 different technical issues. Zoom was having a day. Like somehow it was was like 20 different things at once all happening. So we did our best. And by next time, we will have all our issues sorted, hopefully. And then we will be able to... It's like, I know we keep saying, like, it gets good around issue 20, but it actually, like, starts kind of mounting that slow, getting really good. 12 through 14 is when it's like, oh, Iraqi's finally like, oh, what if it's more than just a race? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. What if? What if, my man? So you have that to look forward to. JoJo's Bizarre Explainer is recorded in Portland, Aura, Aura, Oregon. You can follow us on Twitter at ExplainJoJo or find us on the web at ExplainJoJo.com. We love to hear from our listeners, so please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us the kind of review that Stephen Steele would leave for scamming. 